latest episode of the Shift Talk podcast. I am one of your three hosts, Matthew, bringing you another short and sweet intro here today. We've got a great episode lined up for you. Just to give you a little bit of a rundown, uh, we have, again, changed the opening segment, but we definitely felt like it was something we would really enjoy, and we ended up uh, really enjoying it, and I think it was really fun. Uh, we have decided to keep with the theme of recasting. I know a couple weeks ago we did the um, you know, Attack of the Clones, uh, make a change and try to improve that movie. Uh, but today we are recasting in full The Wizard of Oz and also picking new directors for that movie. And I think it really turned out well. Uh, some of the choices uh, for all the roles are going to be pretty interesting to see, I think. So that is the opening segment. And once we wrap that up, we do get into our movie review uh, this week for Sinister. Now, there will be spoilers for Sinister, uh, so if you have not yet seen the movie and you'd like to listen to the podcast and not be spoiled, go ahead and give it a watch. It is currently on Netflix, so go ahead and get that done, and then you can listen to the rest of the podcast. But without further ado, we're going to open it up right now for the Wizard of Oz recast changes, and we really hope you enjoy the pod. Thank you. All right, so kicking off this Wizard of Oz recast, we're just kind of going to go rapid fire through these. Um, and if conversation happens, we'll let it happen. But we're basically just going to go through uh, the main cast and each throw out our selections for the recast. And I'm going to lead us off, and we're going to go right to the main character of Dorothy. And my recast for Dorothy is Emma Stone. Um, I think this one's kind of just a slam dunk, in my opinion. You know, she has red hair. She's a great actress. She's shown that she is more than capable at singing as well as being an accomplished actress in the same film, where whether that would be in La La Land. Uh, but she's, you know, her resume speaks for herself. I think she's still young enough to, you know, obviously be Dorothy, and I think she would be a super solid pick. Yeah, I agree. Oddly enough, I didn't even think about Emma Stone, but I agree. That's a I mean, that's about as safe as a pick as you could possibly have. Uh, that There's no way that wouldn't be successful, or she wouldn't be successful in that role. I mean, she, it would be a slam dunk, like you said. I really thought you were going to pick. that. That's one of the ones I thought that we were going to line up on. I thought since you had just watched La La Land, you, you would go for that as well. But I'm Didn't surprised. even cross my line. I'm surprised. I'm kind of I'm ashamed of myself, although I do like my pick. Right, Cruz, right. you have any thoughts on that pick? I mean, no, it would be really good. I mean, Emma Stone's a great actress, and I think she's a really good singer, too. Sure. So, sure. Watch uh, it. Who, who do you have as Dorothy? Uh, I have... I have Haley Steinfeld. And I mainly just picked her because, she one, she's a really good singer, and I think she's an up-and-coming actress. She's been really good in the, the few roles that I've seen her in. Uh, Edge of Seventeen is one movie that's really stands out to me of hers. Uh, there's a couple other smaller uh, film roles that she's been in, but I think that she would be, you know, she's more known, I guess, as a singer right now, but I think that would be a good casting and kind of fits the top. Um, but that was kind of my biggest wild card, I would say. Uh, I definitely think she could be successful in a role, but, you know, I think if they really actually remade this movie, they would probably go with somebody uh, a little bit safer, a little more uh, proven, but I, I definitely think that Haley Steinfeld could be a, a good Dorothy. Um, so I'm interested to see what you guys think. No, I, I really like that pick. I, I had not considered going 
like that young of an actress, but that that's a really solid pick. She's also been you know, she was in that Bumblebee like Transformers movie, and she was really solid in that. Didn't see um, that, but I heard I heard she was good, and I heard the movie was actually decent. Yeah, it's it's one of the better Transformers movies. It's not that you know not saying much, but it it, it was pretty good. That that's a really good pick. I can I can really picture that honestly, because um, like you said, she is an accomplished singer. Um, yeah, I think that would be solid too. But I, I do think you're right. They probably shoot, you know, whoever has the rights to that. I don't know off the top of my head. They would probably want to go for someone more a list and established. But yeah, that's super solid. I really like that. Cruz, what do you think? You know, that was a really really good pick. I didn't even think about that, but that is really good. She's so good in uh, the Edge of Seventeen. She's so good, and she was one of the best parts of Triggerette, in my opinion. Yeah, I always forget about Trigret. She was so young. Yeah, and she did great. She like held her own against some pretty well-established actors who were very talented. But yeah, I think she'd be really good. I think that's a really good pick. For sure. So Cruz, um, I guess that brings us to you. Uh, yeah, for my uh, Dorothy, I have a Janelle Monet. That is like vastly different. It's changing. Um, races, but I think, you know, as long as you're talented, that's all that matters. And I think Janelle Monet, one, she's obviously a great singer. She's really probably a pop star before she's an actress, but she can act. She was fantastic in Moonlight. And also just like interviews, she has like a really good charisma that I think that she would bring to the role. And I think that it would, and that she would do a really good job, in my opinion. It's like, I think that she could bring that charisma. She is a great singer and she has proven that she can act. Yeah, I've only seen actually seen her in Moonlight. I don't think that I've seen any other of her movies. I'm trying to think not. off the top of my head, but I've only seen Moonlight. But I do, I love that pick because, um, like you said, she was great in Moonlight, and obviously she's an amazing singer. So that's that that would be a slam dunk as well. I think she was in Hidden Figures. I did not see that, um, but yeah, Moonlight is uh, definitely good enough for me. Yeah, I agree. I wish I could add more, but like I said, I just haven't seen uh, a whole lot of her stuff. So, I mean, that was the only movie I've seen, too. I was really just kind of shooting in the dark. Most of my picks are really just shooting in the dark, to be honest. I think that's kind of what we were all doing. This was, yeah. We all agreed that this was a little more challenging than we expected it to be. Um, a lot more. 100%. But I do love that pick. I, I would love to see, I mean, all three of these. I mean, but so, yeah, I would watch any any of these picks. They were all really good. Uh, well, Cruz, I think you are up again, and we are moving right along with Scarecrow. So who do you have pegged to be your Scarecrow? Um, so Scarecrow is a choice that I feel the least confident on. I was honestly just trying to think of – well, I think what makes this so hard is that you have to also pick someone who can sing really well because I don't think with Wizard of Oz remake you would get away with someone who can't sing. Like some movies – like. I have the best singer, but it still works, and I think you have to have good singers. So for Scarecrow, I pick John Legend. Um, I do think John Legend's a good singer. He's not really. I love that choice. Huh? I said I love that choice. I'm glad, yeah, because you know, and I think he can act. I thought he was good in La La Land. He didn't have like a huge part, but he was good in La La Land, and he does also have like this nice charisma to him. And I think that he could really work as Scarecrow, and he's a good singer. Yeah, I, I I probably regret now, like I probably regret now, like not focusing on the singing aspect with all of my picks. But 
uh, yeah, that, that's a that's a really good pick. I don't can sing though because she was really good in La La Land. Sure, I mean, I, I that was that one's out of the way. I did get that one, but I don't know about the rest of my picks. I'm not sure how good of singers they are, but that that is that's great. So I guess I'll move on to my pick, and I'll go ahead and get this out of the way that. You know, I only really focused on the singing aspect of it with the Dorothy character, and so the rest of the so rest of my same. choices, I have no idea whether they can sing or not. Um, but I'll, with that being said, I'll go ahead and give my pick for Scarecrow, and I really uh, went super safe here. Hopefully, they could uh, just drive up a truck full of money to this guy's house and convince him to be in it. But so, my choice for Scarecrow is Tom Hanks, and for no other reason than he's one of the best actors ever. And uh, he can, I just, I can just kind of see him in this role. I don't know why I don't really have any reasons behind it. Um, but it's Tom Hanks. He's, he'd do a good job at whatever, whatever top role you cast him in. So I think he could handle the scarecrow. Now I don't know how well he sings. Um, that might be a challenge, but there's, there's gotta be ways they could get around it. Um, Has so, he sang in Toy in the Toy Story? I was just about to say. I think he sang in Toy Story. I remember it being good. I feel it's just got to be passable. It doesn't like have to be great. I mean, yeah, that's a great. I had not even considered my my choice is so different. I mean, you're gonna like my choice, Jake, but my my choice is so different. Um, yeah, I could see that. I could see him being really any of the three, like Lion, Tim, Man, or I was, um, I was just so, thinking that. Yeah, like uh, I got think that he I mean, that's probably just because it's Tom Hanks. He could probably play any role in the movie. But I put him in the Scarecrow role because, to me, that's, I guess, the more important of the side characters in the movie. Uh, I feel like, I've always felt like this, you know, the Scarecrow, doesn't he come into the movie first? He's he first. He's the first one. She... So, yeah, I always I felt it's... like he's the most important out of all of them. So I figured he, Tom Hanks would be the best, or best pick for that spot. So. Yeah. Oh, well, that's really great. Um, I'm going to go right into my pick uh, for Scarecrow. And like I've alluded to, Jake's going Jake's gonna to like this pick. Uh, my pick for Scarecrow was actually Adam Driver. Okay. Um, so I, I think he can sing decently well. I mean, he has the, the small role in Inside Lewin Davis. And he, I mean, he, I don't know if he's actually, you know, how much singing he's doing in that scene. I can't remember. It Doesn't he have, like, he's not doing the main thing in that. Yeah, he's just doing. <laughs> That's one of, one of the greatest scenes in the history of cinema. Is it's, it's so good. It's the marriage story. <laughs> well, I think I think Adam Driver just kind of like, I don't know, it, he has this just kind of just quiet like brooding persona, like. But obviously, we've seen in like Marriage Story and in the Star Wars franchise, you know, he's he knows how to you know really turn it on and be like intense. So I feel like this would be like a role that kind of would challenge him in a way. Cause he would have to bring like a lot of levity to it. Cause I mean, it's, he can't really be like an emo scarecrow or anything like that. So I think, um, I don't know. I just went with that. I think, I think he'd be solid. He's a great actor. And I think, I think he could pass singing well enough to, uh, to stay, will, in the, stay in the lead. You will never meet pushback from me casting Adam driver in anything. Okay. I would love that movie in a heartbeat. I well, love Adam decided. driver so much. The only problem that I might have with that pick is he'd probably st- he'd steal every scene that he's in, in my opinion. I mean, I think Adam Driver's one of the, one of the best actors in Hollywood right now. Uh, top five for sure. 
Uh, definitely one of the younger, the best young actors. I think he's still under 35. He may be 36. Um, that's a good question. I think he's 36, but he, I mean, he's probably the best actor under 40. Yeah. 36. Yeah. That's probably fair. I mean, he's, he's super, super good. Um, but I, you know, I'll leave it there. I think he'd be great. I'm glad to hear y'all agree. I'm really excited about this next pick. I'm going to go into the lion pick that I have. Um, this one was kind of just the first person that came to mind, and I don't know why, but the more I thought about it, the more I really liked it. And my pick for lion is Forrest Whitaker. Okay. I just think that I don't really, I mean, I don't have like concrete reasons why. I just think, you know, his kind of like stature like fits more of like the, the lion character and i think he's just super intense and he'd definitely be able to pull off like the the like the scared aspect of him you know before he kind of has his little character arc um i don't know i just think i, I love forrest Whitaker, and i think that would be i think he'd be solid i like that pick that's a totally different direction than i was thinking uh with that pick but i well i thought it would, about it would work like, i thought about going like comedic like purely comedic um with somebody but like then again i, I kind of just thought i don't know i kind of thought it might be might be too boring or too cliche of a pick so i kind of went i don't know i feel like that's kind of a sort of unique pick um cruise you have any thoughts i like it i dig it i would so far so far i would definitely watch the movie that you're making right now i liked every choice good to hear uh jake i think it uh snakes back to you uh, so who is your line? So I'm, this is not my pick, but I'm going to tell you guys the first thought, the first person that came into my head for this choice for some reason was Paul Giamatti. <laughs> oh, um, that's so good. I did not end up choosing him, but I kind of wish I would have. I, I think at the very least that would have been interesting, but uh, my actual choice is Chris Pratt. Um, obviously, Chris Pratt can sing a little bit. We've seen him in Parks and Rec. Um, I feel like that's the kind of the sillier, like the silliest role out of any of them. So that's why I ended up going with Chris Pratt. I think he's got the kind of the comedic uh, timing for that role, um, and he can sing decently. Which I, I gotta say, I wasn't thinking about that at all when I picked him. But um, yeah, I, I don't. There's not really any reasons. I, th- I just think Chris Pratt's goofy enough to play that role. Mm, that's... I have too much explanation. I mean, he's, yeah. you know, as far as like being able to have pull off like a charismatic character and being able to have the range to be funny and goofy and also sad and just kind of like lowly, I, I think I think that's a perfect pick, really. Um, and I wanted to go that route and it, it just kind of proves like why I probably should have because I mean, that's that's a you can't go wrong there. Cruz, uh, what's your pick? My pick for the line was Chris Pratt. Oh. <laughs> That's who I also okay. picked. So we've got a first overlap. Yeah, pretty much for the same the reasons you overlap. said. That was I take it back. That was like the one actor I didn't really think about when singing because I feel like he's just so goofy and energetic enough that he could capture the line to where it would be. I feel like if he had to sing, he would sing it like so charismatically it would be okay. I agree. I mean, yeah. And he sings in Parks and Rec. He sounds fine. I mean, he's doing a. Uh, I mean, he's not. He doesn't have the greatest voice. I mean, he's not pretending that he's the greatest singer in the world. But 
he can sing a little bit. So I think I think he'd be completely fine in that role. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, uh, Cruz, I think it stays with you for the Tin Man. Tin Man. Okay, so I was trying to think of someone who could sing but also act, and I don't know why. At first, I just kind of picked it, and I was like, I don't know, but now I'm, like, in love with the idea. And for Tin Man, I have Tom Waits because he's kind of an unconventional singer. He's more of a raspier singer, but I think it could work. And uh, I think he's a good actor because he's he's done some Jarmusch movies, and he was also one of the highlights of the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Great movie, fantastic movie. movie. And so I uh, and I just think about his performance in that, and I I don't know. I I think he could pull it off. I think I I, I would be very interested to see him as Tin Man. I will admit I'm not super familiar uh, with Tom Waits, but uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm just not super, you know, knowledgeable of his catalog and accomplishments, but hey, I'm with it. I trust your judgment. Appreciate that. So I guess we can move on to my choice. If anybody else has anything else they want to put in there. Um, Oh, no. Uh, We're going right into, um, let's see. Or no, I have to do, yeah. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Still me for the 10, man. Um. So this is probably the one I had the hardest time choosing. I don't know why, but I, I kind of tried to pick a more like physical actor. I guess to me the Tin Man is like a a strong man type role. So I went with John Cena. Uh, I do not feel good about that pick at all. Uh, that was more of just like a a panic pick. Uh, that's, that's hilarious. I don't I don't know nothing. if he can sing at all. That is nothing. <laughs> He's a great rapper. I mean, so that may uh, that may be a complete flop. I'm <laughs> I'm willing to admit that may be my like like picking like somebody over Michael Jordan. I mean, that's your wild card. NBA yeah. Draft, yeah, that's that's your wild card. I mean, that's okay. We all got to have one. Um, so, yeah. that's that is hilarious. It's so di- it is wildly different from who I'm about to say, but <laughs> I, I I respect your uh, I respect your logic going into that. And like I said, I don't know if he can sing, but I'm sure that I don't know. John Cena to me kind of is like a poor man's like Dwayne Johnson, like not just to compare like wrestlers turned actors, but like I feel like he's very charismatic and kind of like a jack of all trades from an inter- entertainment perspective. Yeah. But I feel like I feel like he's not like as I don't know. He's probably not as polished. I mean, The Rock sung pretty well in Moana, so I feel like there's a good precedent there, but. I almost went with Dave Bautista, but I figured yeah. I definitely thought that he couldn't sing. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't trust, I don't trust that either. Um, but uh, I will go for my choice for the Tim Man, and it's kind of, it's kind of out of left field. I, I definitely wanted someone. Like I, I chose, you know, I went with Adam Driver for Scarecrow and Forrest Whitaker for the line. So I kind of wanted for the Tim Man. I kind of wanted to give somebody like an up and comer kind of some shine uh so i went with john david washington um i like that yeah obviously from black klansman um and he's going to be in tenant and yeah i I don't know i don't have a lot of reasons why i just think he's a really great up-and-coming actor and i think that role would be like a challenge almost for like um 
I, I, I definitely feel like you couldn't just plug anybody into that because I mean it's gonna you're gonna have like a lot of probably a lot of makeup and prosthetic work and I just think that I like his demeanor I don't know I really loved him in Black Klansman that's pretty much it that's my entire reason it's you know it's so I, I think that's a good choice and you know it's just so hard like picturing all these modern actors in these like <laughs> these roles I don't know I mean what year did this movie come out like the foo, that's a See, like 39. 39. 39. Wow. That is wild. But yeah, that is my pick. And maybe, you know, I don't know. I'm sure he'd be up for it. But uh, I think it moves right back. Or no, I go again. Um, and we're moving into Glinda the Good Witch. Um, I can't remember what uh, direction of Good Witch she is, of the North or the East or West, whatever. But. Uh, my pick for Glinda the Good Witch is Carrie Washington. Um, I definitely, uh, I wanted to, because I didn't, like Cruz said, I kind of thought about, um, you know, giving a person of color, like the cast for Dorothy, um, before I settled on Emma Stone. And I definitely wanted to change things up uh, with Glinda. I don't know. I just think Carrie Washington is super solid. Um, and I, I, feel, I feel like as we keep going, I don't have as many, you know, great reasons but i mean obviously she's a very accomplished actress you know she's in scandal which you know ran for six years and she was in django unchained and you know i I don't know i think she would just be really good um in that role definitely could pull off like the elegant like you know princess witch type character i feel you know i'm not i don't think i'm not familiar with her she's django's wife Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of scandal, but I know that she like really just commands the, the screen every time she's I mean, she's like the main attraction for that show and apparently she's, she's in that new show, uh Little Fires Everywhere. I haven't watched yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I've been seeing ads for that. I have not watched it either, but um yeah, I don't know. I I think like I said, as I get into my picks I have fewer and fewer reasons. I just think she's, you know, I think she could definitely pull off the look and the aesthetic, and she's a really good actress uh, in what I've seen her. So, uh, Jake, I believe it is back to you. Uh, so your pick for Glinda, the Good Witch. Okay, so I, I I didn't put too much thought into this one. I played it super safe, and I'm going with Emma Watson. Um, I don't feel like there's too much explanation for for why she would be the, a good Glinda. Uh, I don't know. She's... She just fits the role in my mind. There's no real reason behind it. Just a, just a good, safe choice. She she can sing. I, I, I haven't seen Beauty and the Beast, but she sings in that. Um, she does well. She does well. Um, I saw that, and it was it was pretty good. So Big, yeah, I mean, that's, like you said, you can't that's about all I have that. to say about her. So, Cruz, if you want to go ahead and reveal your pick. Yeah, I played it pretty safe, too. I picked Amy Adams, because I just think Amy Adams can capture that kind of motherly guardian role. She can be really nice, and she has really good range. It's like in my top three for, like, uh, Dorothy, honestly. I kind of just Googled, like, red-haired actresses. <laughs> I mean, that's... I love Amy Adams. She's so good. But yeah, she, she's amazing. That's a, that's a really solid pick. Both of those are. Um, but Cruz, I think, uh, if nothing else... 
then you can go again and we are on to the wicked witch of the west and i'll be very interested to see the picks for this because i feel like this is obviously is one of the you know there's a there's a couple roles in the movie that are more important than others obviously like in every movie but i definitely think this could make or break uh make or break one of our films so go right ahead uh yeah um my pick for the wicked witch of the west is tilda swinton um i think that she has incredible range i think she's one of the most underrated actresses she's great in snowpiercer great and we need to talk about kevin and if we want to talk about range her in the movie suspiria alone she plays three drastically different roles in that movie and one of them involves spoiler alert for suspiria but a witch and I think that she can she she's willing to do anything she'll put on whatever prosthetics she'll she will do whatever she has to for performance she'll be very understated she'll be very over the top it's whatever she needs to do for the role i think that she would really dominate as as like the villain she's always a great villain that's a great pick. Um, can't can't hate on that at all. And like you said, she definitely has the range, um, and would I feel like she would just get lost in a role like that and just really just commit to it and go over the top with it in like the best way. I think that's that's an awesome pick. Yeah, I don't I don't have any complaints there. She would. There's no doubt in my mind. She'd be awesome. It is on to you. Okay, so my pick for the Wicked Witch is Kate Blanchett. And I mainly picked her because because of Thor Ragnarok and Lord of the Rings. And although she's obviously an amazing actress, uh, just those two roles are kind of how I envision. Like a mixture of those two roles is how I envision um, The Wicked Witch. And I think she would just absolutely knock it out of the park in that role. I mean, I think, like, like Cruz was saying, she'd go all in on it. And um, like she would... Uh, prosthetics whatever's needed she would she would embrace it and just she would really do whatever it took to make that performance uh is what it needs to be so i i really think that she would be a good choice in that position she was actually uh, i was on her until i thought of my pick so she was she came in number two for me so i i have no complaints at all that, that that's couldn't go wrong at all yeah. that would be great she was my number two because I thought of her first, and then I thought of Tilda Swinton. But she was she's my number two as well. Yeah, we had the same thought process because I mean I went straight to Kate Blanchett, and then yeah, me too. I went, I went on to my pick uh, for the Wicked Witch, which is Rebecca Ferguson. Um, Ooh. So definitely, um, you know, a little bit younger uh, for the character, but I do think that after seeing Doctor Sleep and how she plays Rose the Hat in Dr. Sleep, the villain there. Um, I, I just think she would kill it. I, I had never seen her outside of anything in like, well, I mean, she was in The Greatest Showman, and she was, she's was she been in the Mission Impossible movies, but I've never seen her in a role like that before. Um, and I think she absolutely killed it and was pretty much, you know, one of the one of the most accurate parts of the movie, I think, is how her how she portrayed the villain there. So I think, she, I think she'd knock it out of the park. Yeah, I I agree. I I loved her and uh, Doctor Sleep, and I'm really really looking forward to her as Lady Jessica in the upcoming Dune movie. So oh yeah, um, I I'm very excited, and I think that's an awesome pick. 
That is a good pick. She didn't right, cross well. my. She really didn't cross my radar, and I, I feel kind of ashamed. She. I, yeah, uh, I don't know. It just kind of like just kind of hit me, I, and I just had to go with it. Uh, but Kate Blanchett definitely number two there. You know, we all we all were kind of on the same wavelength there. So, um, but I will move right along into um, the titular character Oz. Um, and I think this is another just really good one because I mean Oz, you know, he's not in the movie a lot. I mean, he's a focus of the movie, but I really feel like you kind of got to nail it here uh, for as little screen time as they're going to have. Uh, so for my uh, Oz, I went with Anthony Hopkins. I think uh, it kind of goes without saying, um, you know, he can definitely give off the intimidating, like just evil type presence that Oz kind of has for a portion of the movie where you, you don't technically, you, you as the audience don't know his real intentions or who he really is. And I, I think he would kill that aspect of it. But I also think he could definitely pull off the kind of like quirky, like feeble old man. Uh, once he kind of gets discovered there. Uh, so yeah, I, I just think he could give you the best of both worlds in that regard. That's a good pick. That is. It's hard to, it's hard to picture this, the I mean, same yeah, person that played Hannibal Lecter. Playing yeah. Oz. I mean, Definitely, uh, definitely hope that that's not that's people's first experience with it. That'd be Hopkins. a that'd be a nice twist to the movie, though. Well, yeah, actually, Hannibal Lecter. I mean, yeah, definitely crossing universes, but I mean, uh, I mean, I could see it. It, it depending on the director pick, you know, it could be like a dark macabre, you know, Wizard of Oz. I mean, that would be a twist. Like if midway through the movie, uh, Dorothy just gets brutally murdered. Um, yeah by the line and you know has to go to find uh has to go find oz and just kind of like confront him as the ultimate evil i think we're pitching it well i mean i hope i hope i hope all the directors right now are listening and taking notes because <laughs> he's not available be, for the screenplay they uh, aren't giving out for free but uh yeah so uh ultimate crossover universe we'll write that one down <laughs> wizard of oz cinematic universe um, but Jake, uh, it is up to you. And who is your Oz? Okay, so I think I've absolutely nailed this pick. I went a l- he's a little bit, I guess, younger than you'd think of for Oz. But uh, my pick is J.K. Simmons. I think that he's definitely got the voice for it, and he can definitely be menacing. Um, and I th- also think he can play the, you know, the more quirky side of the character that you were talking about once they figure out that he's kind of a fraud, but the actual, like, just, I'm just picturing his voice over the the big machine and his, his head. Like, I, there's no way that I don't, that that wouldn't be effective with him. Just, just voice alone, I think would be to make him a very good eyes. So um, I'm not sure how old he is, but I think, I guess he's probably, 50, 60, early 60s? Um, he is 65. Okay, so that's a little older than I thought. That's about the right age for it. I mean, I don't guess there's a really set age that Oz has to be. I mean, he needs to be a little bit older, but. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Simmons could do it. Yeah, um, that that's a solid pick. And you're, you're definitely right about him pulling off both sides of that as well. 
Um, I mean, while we're pitching, you know, crossover universes, I mean, it could just be his character from Whiplash that ends up being Oz. And that's how. Exactly. He could be his character from Whiplash crossed with J. John Jameson. And there you go. You got Oz. I think, uh, yeah, that's a biopic waiting to happen. (laughs) Uh, But uh, with that being said, uh, Cruz, who is your Oz? Uh, Yeah, I wanted someone with range who can act but also i feel like with oz since it's like it's like such a big role for the story but there's not a lot of screen time you gotta also have that actor that like sold on seeing the movie when you just hear that he's in it and so i went with brian cranston um i just think brian cranston's amazing in everything he does and you can give him the smallest bit of screen time and he will chew that scene up He's just so good, and he can be funny. He can be menacing, and since we're talking about crossover, you know, Wizard of Oz with Heisenberg, it Ultimate, go yeah. wrong. I mean, I could definitely see Oz having like a, a little side thing going where he's peddling blue meth <laughs> out of the out of the castle there. I would definitely. Um, I mean, castles aren't built for free. Telling everybody to say his name. Oh, you yeah. Move that. Somebody's got to be moving that weight around there. And, I mean, it definitely isn't uh, agriculture. So, I mean, it's got to be something. <laughs> oh, that is, that is so good to think about. But uh, I think that is all the major picks. So, we can move right on into uh, the director's chair. I did have a couple honorable mentions. Just to, we, we didn't pick Uncle Henry and Auntie Him. But I, I did coincidentally just write couple a couple of choices down uh for uncle henry i had kevin costner and for auntie m i had francis mcgorman the budget i mean the budget for the movie would probably be a little you know just a little bit too much for having francis mcgorman and kevin costner for roles probably no no more than five minutes on the screen but you know what this is my movie and they can be in it if i want to so listen if they're if they're listening to our ideas like this is a Two to two billion, three billion dollar movie we've got on our hands right here. I mean, I mean, you, you don't have to. A, there's no need to pinch pennies when it comes to casting. No, I mean we can we can get it done. We're gonna make it back. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, moving right along uh, with the director choices, um, uh, Cruz, you can go ahead and go first uh, since you were the last one to pick Oz. So who is your director for? Oh uh, yeah, um, I think this might be. A wild card, or maybe not. I don't know, but um, my director. I feel like it's kind of not the first choice you think. If you think about his style, and you just kind of think about all the colorful imagery, in Wizard of Oz, and just that world, I think that his style could really complement it. That's Wes Anderson. He's quirky. His movies are like whimsical, and they're colorful. And I think one that alone would work really well, but also from what I've seen, he's a very competent director who can really bring good performances and great technical aspects to his movies. Okay. Like um, once again, I'm mad at myself because I just watched grand Budapest hotel like a couple of days ago. And I mean, Wes Anderson is like the absolute perfect pick for this. And he never, never once crossed my mind. So, yeah, I, I, I'm picturing 
I'm picturing the Wizard of Oz stop motion scene that Wes Anderson would definitely have to throw in there, but um, he would be he would knock it out of the park. I mean, he would embrace the 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 weirdness of it, and I mean that's that's a perfect pick. Thank you. Matthew, you I like that. I mean, yeah. Admittedly, I have not seen. I still have not seen a Wes Anderson film. Uh, however, I mean, I'm very familiar with his aesthetic and overall kind of tone he has in his movies. Um, seen bits and pieces here and there, so I can't. I don't have much to offer. But yeah, I mean, I definitely think the kind of um, like you said, the whimsical kind of nature of how he constructs his films. Um, I, I think that would be great. And like I said, I wish I had more to say, but hopefully throughout this podcast uh, experience, I will eventually uh, watch a Wes Anderson film. And yeah, I've also never seen a Wes Anderson movie. I, I, <laughs> I gathered this from YouTube videos and things I've bits and pieces I've seen from him. It was a total shot in the dark. I have yet to see a, a Wes Anderson movie. Well, yeah, I mean, based on, based on that assumption as well, I, I think, I think it'd be perfect. Um, so you guys are missing out. You, I mean, you've got to go watch Wes Anderson movies. Me too. I own like seven of his movies because people always give me them as gifts, and I just need to finally sit down and watch one. Yeah, same here. I mean, I don't own any, but I mean, I've I've had ample time and opportunity to watch you know any of them that I would want, and I just I just haven't gotten around to it. So uh, he can get in line behind Shawshank Redemption and you know Sopranos <laughs> and other things of that nature, but. Uh, that's a solid pick um, off of reputation alone. If I had to do that, if I had to go off of that. So Jake, um, you are up. Who is your director? Okay. So I've really struggled with this part. Um, I don't, I mean, I definitely think that the director I chose can do it, but it's not like, I, I, I guess he wouldn't say it's not really his type of movie in a way it is, but I'll go ahead and just say my choice. It's Damon Chazelle. Um, and I chose him because of... Mainly just because of La La Land. I mean, the musical aspect of it. And uh, I think he has a certain way... Like his his films, especially La La Land, are really colorful. Like Cruz was saying with Wes Anderson. Um, so I just... I, I, can, I can just kind of see him... His style working for the movie. Now, I don't know. He's a little more, his movies are a little more serious, especially Whiplash and First Man. Um, so it's kind of difficult to picture how he would transition to something like Wizard of Oz, but I definitely think he's talented enough that he could do it. It would just be a, a major transition. Uh, style wise, I don't think it'd be any problem. But uh, so, yeah, it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's an odd choice because he, I mean, he's one of the best directors working right now, in my opinion. But um, I don't know. I'm interested to see what you guys have to think about it. Oh no, that's perfect, really. Uh, because I, I mean, I love La La Land so, so much, and I, I think you're right. I mean, kind of a more. I mean, I definitely think if this movie were to be made, it would it would have to be you know a bit more, which kind of goes against Wes Anderson the pick there. But I definitely think it would have to be somewhat you know more commercial than the movies that Chazelle is you know, accustomed to making, but I think he would be able to kind of reach the middle ground between having a very artsy, you know, musical, colorful film, um, but also have it be appealing to a wide audience because I, I've never, I've never had a bad experience watching one of his films. Cruz, what do you think? 
actually think that was a really great choice. I don't think you I think you should be very confident in that choice because um even though like in La La Land it's kind of like a farce, like it's still got really whimsical moments in it. So I think he could pull off that whimsical I think he could just if he takes like the whimsical aspect of La La Land and just removes the darker stuff behind La La Land. He's also just like a phenomenal director. I think he would do great. And I think also he would add maybe a little interesting depth to like characters arcs because he's really good with character arcs and kind of character driven stuff in his movies. I think that's a great choice. It was actually that was one of my choices to pick, but I figured like. I really thought Jake was going to pick Damon Chazelle because I know how much he loves La La Land. So I was kind of expecting him to pick it. And I think that's like a great choice. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better. I I didn't question that he could do it. It's just uh, style-wise, I did kind of wonder. Like It's just a a big transition in my mind from what you would typically expect from him. I don't think it's... I certainly don't think that's the, the direction that he's moving in his uh the movies he's making i don't i don't i think if wizard of oz was announced that it was being remade i don't think that he would be the one making it i don't think he would have any interest in it i may be wrong but um but that's basically that's kind of why i felt a little shaky about it but there's no doubt in my mind that he could do it i mean he's one of the best working so Um, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with Cruz. You should be confident in that one because I think it's, uh, I think it's a great pick. Um, but getting into my pick, um, and mine's kind of, you know, she's uh, go ahead and spoil it. It's a she. Um, she's definitely an accomplished director. Um, doesn't have you know a ton of films under her belt just yet, but I think that the trajectory of her career, um, kind of puts her on track. Could put her on track for a movie studio or production studio to give her a crack at such a big IP. Um, and my pick is Greta Gerwig. Um, it, you know, obviously he's directed Lady Bird and Little Women. Um, I have not yet seen Little Women. Uh, so I probably could have picked somebody that I've seen more movies from, but I mean, I love Lady Bird. It was probably my favorite. It, it, I think it was probably my favorite film from 2017. And that's saying a lot. Because I mean, 2017 was stacked with with great movies. Um, it's if it's not if it's not my favorite, it's definitely top two or three. Um, so uh, I think she would just I don't know I think she would do a great job with it because she has such a great way with obviously d- directing you know strong leading female characters, um, and I just think she would do a great job with my pick of Dorothy, you know, uh, Emma Stone. Uh, not a lot of reasons. I just think she's an accomplished director. She's extremely successful, and I think she would do a great job. Yeah, you don't you don't need reasons. I mean, you don't. There's nothing to sell there. Like her success speaks for itself. She's she's super talented and one of the best best working. And um, yeah, she'd be great. She'd be great. Whatever movie she chooses, whatever type of movie she chooses, whatever. It it doesn't matter. She's gonna be successful in anything she does. I mean, Little Women was the way she adapted that movie. That was to me one of the best movies of last year. Um, you know, she had to go up against Parasite and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and some of those other really good movies and you know the Best Picture category. But Little Women is every bit as good as those movies and belonged to be there. And I would have had no complaints if that movie won Best Picture. 
So, um, yeah, that's that's a very good choice. It's definitely high up on my list. I mean, as far as movies go, I mean, I, it's probably the next movie on my list to watch. I've got to I've got to make time for that. But, uh, Cruz, what do you think? Um. I would I would give it a watch for sure after Little Women. I wasn't I, I thought Lady Bird was good. I'm not as big on Lady Bird as everyone else, but Little Women really won me over. And Little Women was super ambitious. Only because the thing is, is like um, I'm sometimes like you. I'm sometimes worried about like because well, you brought up the point too with like mainstream. Like sometimes like directors will make really good indie movies and then they're given like a big production. And like they have to make this much bigger, ambitious movie, and it kind of falls in on itself. But Little Women was super ambitious in like every way, from like the from just it being a period piece, and and just how the structure of that story is. That she really pulled it off. I mean, I agree with Jake. Little Women was one of the better movies I saw in twenty nineteen, and I would have been totally fine with her winning Best Director or Best Picture for it. So I, I think that she could pull off. Wizard of Oz for sure. And that's a really good choice. Nice. Uh, well, that's all I need to hear. Um, I think that about does it though. Um, that was that was really fun. Uh, I enjoyed uh, hearing all your uh, picks there. But uh, without further ado, I think we're ready to uh, move into our movie review for the week. Uh, are you guys ready to talk about Sinister? For sure. All right, cool. Uh, the movie review for Sinister will follow right here. All right, so uh, I'm going to kick us off with our Sinister review. Um, I just want to lead this off with saying that I'm not a big horror fan, so that's kind of why I'm going first. Um, I just don't, I'm just not a huge fan of the genre. There's there's certain movies and certain unique movies that I really like, like, you know, uh, The Lighthouse and The Witch and Hereditary, Midsummer. Some of those top horror movies are. Uh, you know, I very much enjoy, but the typical, the typical horror movie is just not something that's for me. Um, I I just don't get a lot of enjoyment out of them, and which leads me to this movie. Um, and this is a movie that I haven't watched since I guess I guess I was eighteen years old, seventeen, eighteen, and I have to say, watching it the first time, and I guess it's the way with any horror movie. But it was much better on the first viewing than I found it this time. Um, you know, this the first time I watched it, I saw it in theaters, and you know, it had it had its good jump scares, and it, it spooked me out a little bit. And so I, I left thinking that it was, you know, a decent movie. But this time watching it, I I don't know. I just I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, it really just to me falls into the, the cliches of the genre. Uh, just depended on jump scares and um, it just really t- it, it doesn't do anything unique in my opinion um, I didn't I, it, the characters were just your typical horror characters uh, you know Ethan Hawke's in it which is kind of separates it from other similar horror movies he's obviously a great actor but I don't I don't. I mean, he's good in this movie, but I don't think he's necessarily just knocking it out of the park. I mean, he's not owning the screen or anything, and that, a lot of that's to do with script and direction. But um, you know, he's he's okay. 
you know, but the rest of the characters in the movie are just really sidelined, especially his wife and his kids. Um, they're basically just ignored and just very cliche underwritten parts. Uh, the kid, the kids are just used as plot devices and especially the little girl. Like she has, she really has no part in the movie other than it until it's time for the, them to say that she's evil and been taken over the, by the demon. I, I forgot the, what's the demon's name. Ooh. Okay, I'm I'm just gonna call him the demon because I'll probably mess that name up. Call him Mr. Boogie. That's what the, Mr. That's Boogie. The name. Okay. Yeah, he's Mr. Boogie. Um, but yeah, until he until he finally turns a little girl, like she's basically just just off screen somewhere doing occasional creepy stuff but there's just really nothing to our character there's nothing to the wife there's nothing to the little boy um and then like but even with all that said like you know it's got some decent jump scares and some creepy disturbing moments um up until to me the the final act and i think the the movie really just falls off the end and it it just kind of i don't know like it just feels so rushed and the final act stuff starts happening. There's no reason for it. Uh, they just, there's just a lot of exposition to explain the stuff going on. Like they, they move away from the, they finally move out of the house and then it's just, they finally, then they tell us, you know, okay, now that you moved out of the house, you've done exactly what the demon wants you to do. So you're going to die now. So, you know, that's just some of my, you know, that's some of my problems that I had with the movie. Um, like I said, it's not, in my opinion, it's not, it's not bad, but it's not, it doesn't separate itself from any other horror movie. Whereas, you know, I kind of think I had my mind going into it, watching it this time, that it was a little bit different than most horror movies. I don't know why I had that vision or that uh, opinion of it, because, you know, going into it, this is just your average horror movie and I, I mean you guys may i don't know how you feel about it you may feel differently but to me it's just a very average cliche horror movie that you know there's two or three of them that come out every year and um oh, one more thing that really bothered me is like it's just it was bad to the point that it like really took me out of the movie is how many times uh, Mr. Boogie's face just popped up in front of the screen, especially in the uh, third act. Like, I don't know. It was like, it was almost like it was like for comedic effect. And so trying to scare you, like something being going on and you would know that something's going to happen. And then his face would just be right there in front of you. And every time it happened, it'd just make me want to laugh instead of uh, jumping or being scared. So um, that's about all I have to say. I know I rambled a little bit. I just, I don't really, I'm, this movie is just not my thing. So I'll pass this along to you guys. I'm interested to see what you have to say about it. Um, I'll jump in. Uh, I, you know, I definitely, I definitely hear some of the criticisms. Uh, and I think, I think some of them are valid. Um, most, most of them are valid. I, I'll say that. Um, now I disagree with some of them, but they're pretty much all valid as ter- in terms of just from a general storytelling perspective. I will say that my memory of the movie was definitely much better than what I ended up watching on the second time I watched it. Because I mean, 
this was the second time I watched it as well. Um, couple of thoughts, just just uh, generally from watching it the second time. I, I I definitely felt how slow the first like thirty to forty minutes are. Um, this this watch, I kind of just like you're you're invested because of and i wrote this down when it was happening i i I was invested more so because of ethan hawk's character ellison um and kind of his struggle with his family and his passion for writing and wanting to know what happened to these families um that that's kind of keeping you in it for the first 30 to 45 minutes um because not not a lot of you know scary things really happen i mean it definitely has a creepy tone uh, in some parts, but I definitely noticed it kind of dra- it kind of drags a little bit with the first act. Um, I don't think it I don't think it falls into the throwaway like cliche category. Now you could put it in that category, but I definitely think it's it's better than like the average horror movie that comes out every year uh, or the few movies that come out. I definitely don't don't think it falls into like a mediocre category. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I just kind of like, I was more, whereas the first time I watched it, I didn't care about character development or character work at all. And I was probably just super scared or wanting to be super scared. Whereas this time, you know, you know where all the scary moments are going to happen. So you don't really have to worry about that. But, um, I was just really into Ethan Hawke's character. Now you are correct in saying that the kids are using plot devices. I definitely think that's one of the bigger flaws of the movie. Um, you don't feel as much when you know, like not knowing the twist at the first viewing. Now that could be worthwhile if you, you know, hadn't put two and two together and realized that the kids were being, you know, taken over and they were the ones committing these murders. Um, I could see that working on a first viewing, but on the second viewing, it's really, it is, you are right. It is very noticeable how, how little the kids have to do for the most part. And, and I think like the other thing you said about the wife, I definitely think there was like one scene missing where it was just the wife or maybe one more kind of like piece of dialogue she could have gotten, or maybe one more piece of character work she could have gotten, because I think the actress does a good job. And yeah, I there's think, nothing wrong with her. Um, yeah, that's actually yeah. that was actually her first uh, film yeah. role. Uh, fun fact: she was a uh, she was a theater actress, and Scott Derrickson. Um, I think I think it was Scott Derrickson that kind of discovered her and wanted her to be in the movie. Um, yeah, like she she's fine. It's just that, like to me, every time her character would would justifiably get mad at Ethan Hawke, then you know, thirty seconds later, she's back to you know, just being totally fine with everything going on. And to me, it's just poor writing for her character or just no effort put into the writing for her character. So it's no criticism on her part. Yeah. And I, and I, I can see where you're going with that. And like I said, I definitely think there could have been more there from her. Now I think she, I just, I did really enjoy the dynamic of, and like I alluded to in last week's pod, I kind of think it reminded me a little bit of the Jack and Wendy Torrance dynamic from the shining novel um just you have this you know tortured kind of like self-conflicting you know main character who is constantly you know lashing out at his family um and not not justified i mean that was one of the things that i wrote is you know 
you're you're pulling for Ethan Hawke's character in this movie despite him, you know, not always making proper decisions and making selfish decisions. Um, and I think that's kind of what kept me ground, kept me kind of pulled in on this viewing. I definitely was just, you know, all about seeing his internal conflict and kind of him realizing that he's not making, you know, he realizing that he's making selfish decisions. So I think that kind of held it together for me on this viewing, but I definitely think there could have been more character development for the rest of the family for sure. So all in all, not to keep rambling, I'll let Cruz get, um, get his uh, take in. Uh, All in all, I definitely think there were some, there were more cliche jump scares than I remember. I will say that the lawnmower jump scare is still, it still holds up. I think it's one of the more iconic jump scares. Um, in in modern horror movies I, I think that was still really well done but yeah there definitely were a couple more cliche moments than i remember but i still think the overall tone and just the ethan hawk's performance in general kind of kept me into it um so yeah uh, i'll let Cruz go ahead and go because if i keep going i'll probably end up just talking about my my final thoughts and score for the movie so uh, i will let Cruz go ahead and go and get uh, get his words in uh, yeah, um, I saw this movie when it first came out, and I was very young. I was really into it, and so this was the first time. I didn't realize how much I forgot about this movie. It didn't, it didn't personally age very well for me. Um, I disagree with Jake about it being a generic horror movie for the first 50 minutes when it's not supernatural. And when it becomes supernatural, which is my biggest issue with the movie, I think it starts to become more generic first 50 minutes of this movie locked i thought it was fine it, it had some wonky moments i thought the kid acting was bad i thought um i agree that the characters except for ethan hawk are underwritten um and some there were some some jump scares that weren't needed and there was this one scene where like bagul is like not in the picture and then he like uh, prints out the picture and Bagul's in it and it's obviously photoshopped and that that was like that was affably bad but aside from that the first 50 minutes I agree with um, Matthew is despite some of the underwritten side characters movie's really kind of this interesting interesting character piece at first because though it's a little rough around the edges it's like this really cool procedural like investigation drama and like the kind of motivations there where like deeper he gets into this thing and the more dangerous and disturbing it gets and it plays around with these concepts of like he's starting to go back to alcohol and there's kind of the selfish kind of more cynical piece to him now he's not writing these books of passion he's writing them out of um like a need for money and greed. And like, there was a lot of really interesting stuff being set up. And the, I think the super eight videos, all of them were really well done the lawnmower one's great, but I think all of them the beginning of this movie, the family being inked was like incredible. Um, it's not then once like the minute it reveals that it's supernatural because I forgot that it was supernatural. I think this movie goes super downhill um, I think 
one, I think the supernatural elements are done poorly. The scene where he's walking through and all the little kids are running around, I thought that was goofy. Yeah, that was that the was point bad. where I was laughing. Um, yeah, I thought that was. I thought the whole final. I thought like I said first fifty minutes, literally the halfway point, rough around the edges, cool movie. Second half, the last 50 minutes starts to go downhill, and then like the last 20 minutes, I think, are really bad. Like, especially when they go back to the house and they're just rushing this whole supernatural plot that they it's like they shoehorned in. At first, it was like this interesting, like I said, interesting procedural movie, and then it's like they're like, oh, well, let's be a supernatural horror movie. Then, um, I think my biggest issue, what really kills it for me, is funny enough, and since it hasn't really been brought up, I won't go into it because I don't I know this is not what the movie's about but because Matthew mentioned it I went back and watched The Shining this week because I have not seen it in a couple years oh this movie's better than The Shining absolutely not I was well about (laughs) The Shining aged so much better than I realized Jake I disagree with every criticism you have of that movie now I wish I would have rewatched it when you did that hot take um, but all jokes aside, I get not liking the movie The Shining if you love the book. I'm one of those who I don't have much love for the book. I like what Stanley Kubrick did with that movie. I like what he does with those characters. I think he does something different with those characters. But the big thing I'm getting to is that supernatural elements in The Shining meant something. Like it served, it was representative of a thematic element that in like a concept he was trying to delve into. And... I think the characters work because they feed into that concept. That's my biggest problem with Sinister is that you have an interesting concept and interesting like stuff being introduced about at least the main character. And then it feels like one, the supernatural elements in Sinister don't mean anything. They're just there to be spooky. They're like not there to represent anything. They're not there to represent alcoholism or anything like that. And a lot of the interesting stuff they kind of hint at for Ethan Hawke's character feels kind of just thrown away because now they're being like a spooky ghost movie. You don't always have to, you know, have your supernatural stuff mean something. I just think the first half of the movie was so interesting, despite some of the rough around the edges, you know, like in its presentation. The first half is such an interesting, it starts to become this interesting character study. And like the supernatural stuff feels shoehorned, meaningless, and just really brings the movie down for me. Yeah, like it it does seem like that's you know, I wanted to mention that that's one of my main complaints. If I agree, it does feel like there for a while that the movie has something to say and then it's just like all of a sudden they decide not to deliver and they just put that on pause and it basically there's just there's just no message to this movie. Nothing Nothing that I gather from it. Like I just watch it and it's like, okay, well that you know, that had some good jump scares and that's about it. And like you said, Cruz, I, I think it you know, it had some interesting stuff that it, it could have been better. Um and yeah, the the supernatural stuff just really doesn't work for me. Uh and I, I think know. that's what makes it so upsetting is because it'd be one thing if the movie just from the jump like established, oh, we're just gonna be just a spooky movie about ghosts. Like I, I don't really think the conjuring tries to say statements. I think it's just like the conjuring is like, we're going to be a really well done spooky ghost movie and it works. But this movie, like the first half, it's like kind of an interesting character study. 
if you don't know it's supernatural yet, it's kind of cool. It's like, is this a cult? Like, what's going on? Like, all this interesting stuff. And I feel like they just cheapen everything back down to it being supernatural. Even, personally, and I hate to say it, I even think when you find out it's supernatural, it kind of cheapens the Super 8. When First, when you're watching the Super 8 videos, I was like, oh, like this like messed up cult is doing this. And then I realized, oh, like, Five-year-old kids somehow mustered up the strength, supernatural strength to do it, and it just kind of cheapened it for me. I really was bummed. Like, like it when horror movies use supernatural stuff as a way to explore ideas and themes. That's like why I like the Shining movie so much. But and once again, you don't always have to do that. But I feel like they had interesting ideas and then they threw it away to be a spooky ghost movie. Yeah, I just want to make that clear. Like, this is a matter of personal taste. For me, because, you know, scary movies, I mean, if you like go into the movies and just you just want to see a good jump scare movie and, you know, be creeped out for an hour and a half to two hours, then, you know, that's fine. And this movie does that. But, you know, just to me, if you want a little bit more than that, this movie's very disappointing in that aspect. And like I said, I'm not a fan of the genre. And when I do watch horror movies, it's the type of horror movies that kind of have a little more too. I'm like, you know, like the Bobby Duke or not, not the shiny. <laughs> <laughs> you said it in a way that it almost tricked me into saying it. And uh, I would have felt disgusted crazy. with myself, but like the lighthouse or the witch, just movies like that where they leave you thinking a little bit more. And, you know, that's my personal taste, but that doesn't mean my personal taste is right. If, you know, if you're a traditional horror fan, then this movie might work a lot better for you. And I'm sure it does. And I think Matthew falls more into that camp where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew, but you know, you're just going to watch a good, good movie with some good scares. And, well, you know, we, you know, I would say that I definitely am more of a horror fan. I would say, I guess than you, whereas I like, I can watch and sit through, you know, every slasher movie, ever like in a like every halloween i don't i I don't watch i haven't watched uh any of the recent horror movies i don't see like i'm not as big into the modern slash i think modern slasher films have kind of been on a really steep decline like they're they don't get made as much um you know possession and spiritual movies definitely are kind of the the standard for right now I would say, though, I'm kind of like varied. I mean, I definitely love movies like, you know, The Witch and Hereditary. And I, and I want to always be leaving a movie, no matter what the genre is. I want to be leaving it with lingering thoughts. And if, if the ending can be ambiguous or, you know, just kind of leave you shocked. I mean, I definitely appreciate that and love movies like that. But I think it's kind of, I don't know, like I don't. I don't kind of, and I'm not saying you're doing this at all, but like I, I want that experience, but I also don't like turn my nose up at just a movie that is setting out to be like a, like you said, a creepy, just scary two hour, tight two hour movie. And I think that when you frame it like that, I think Sinister works very well. Now it is, like you said, I mean, I definitely agree when you try to, look for something more under the surface. Um, I can definitely agree after hearing, you know, your guys' takes. Um, there's, 
because I am conflicted because I really love Ethan Hawke's character in the movie and what they do with it for the first half. And I don't, I don't hate the jump to the supernatural as much. I think Bagul as a character is super creepy. And I think they pull that off really well. Um, and like all the, you know, subtle kind of, you know, when the, there's the moment where, you know, Bagul like turns his face, like while he's on the computer screen, like stuff like that. I think if they would have went for a more contained, like, See, I hate that scene. I don't know. I, do you hate that scene? I love this. Yes, I, I can't. Scene. The scene where he's at the computer and he's got Bagul's face like paused, and then it turns and like looks at him. I don't know. I just I like that for some reason. I don't know. I just like it because it at that point before that point you hadn't seen anything that was inherently supernatural. Like you knew something creepy was going on, but. I just think at that point, it's kind of like a shift where it's like you as the audience are like, oh, like, wow, like this is something like deeper. Now, I will pivot and say that I definitely agree with you both that they don't they don't follow through with that effectively. Now, the they keep going with the supernatural. And I think it would have worked fine if the ending wouldn't have been rushed and if they hadn't have fumbled um, Ethan Hawke's character. Like, I don't have to have my protagonists always, you know, rewarded for doing the right thing. Like, I think in this movie, the arc he goes on, he realizes, like, he, like, he realizes at the end of the movie that, you know, he was wrong. And he, he has that character progression. And I thought, like, when I watched it this second time, I was like, yeah, that feels good to watch. I mean, I knew what was going to happen, but it's like that, that moment right there feels good. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it's nullified purely because he ends up dying in the at the end of the movie. Like you don't have to always reward your main characters, um, but Great. I just think they should have found a more. And this and this also goes back to the fact that there's no character development for the kids. Like they they should have found a more profound emotional way to communicate that he had been through his arc and had progressed as a character. Um, and if they still wanted to kill him you know, just to have like that macabre, you know, horror terrifying ending, that's fine. But I definitely agree that they should have found a middle ground somewhere to where you don't just feel I like I feel just kind of cheated out of the, the the investment that I gave the character because at the end of the movie it's just kinda like, oh, like he did what it was right and then he went through a full arc and then he just still dies. Um, and like I said, just to touch on the, I don't, I don't hate the supernatural elements of the movie. I don't, I don't hate that it turned into that. I just, I do think that they probably could have handled it in a better way because once the supernatural elements do get introduced to the movie, um, it does turn into more of a cliche, um, experience. And just to touch on the, the hallway scene with the kids, I do think that is the worst scene of the movie, uh, when the kids face like zooms in right next to him like the cgi on the girl's face is just really bad um and i think that is the worst scene in the movie but uh weird to close on that after all the other thematic discussion but yeah that that's kind of where i'm at on that like i don't i don't totally disagree like all of your critiques are valid i just think that in some cases it it works because of what it's trying to be but then others it, it definitely doesn't and also, like, I agree with the taste thing because I'm going to – spoiler alert, I didn't – unfortunately, I didn't like this movie. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just think it's one of those things where it wasn't for me. Kind of like 
Cloverfield Lane, like I don't think Ten Cloverfield Lane was a bad movie, despite the score. It's just I I just didn't like it. it wasn't my thing. Didn't like how it was presented. And um, I'm probably I'm definitely more of a horror fan than Jake, but I'm also like Jake, where not a not big on just like kind of the spooky to be spooky jump scare movies. I don't have an issue with them. It's just more personal. Like if I watch a horror movie, like I usually like horror movies that are weird and and are usually trying to explore concepts and and say different things like Hereditary and and Summer and The Lighthouse and Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, The Shining and um, Exorcist and um, uh, a bunch of different. Like I like the weirder artsy horror movies without psychological horror. And not for like the snobby reasons. I hate the snobby stuff where people are like, I like this because it's highbrow. I just, movies that try to explore and be unconventional and say, you know, different things just stick with me more. I do like appreciate like slasher movies, even though they're not my thing. So if someone is more into the scary for being scary stuff, I can honestly see why Sinister is kind of remembered on a little bit more fondly and has a more cult following because even though my problem is that to me, the movie starts with interesting character stuff. And I feel like a lot of the interesting themes and ideas are thrown away by the supernatural stuff. If someone came into this movie, just expecting a jump scare movie, you do get more character than you usually get with those movies. Um, because mm. I, I do think that Ethan Hawke's character is interesting. Um, and I think Ethan Hawke is really good in the movie. Um, I don't think it's like one of his best performances, but I don't think Ethan Hawke gives bad performances. So I think he's always good. Um, no matter the script or direction. So, I mean, if you're more into, if like, I feel like people, I'm not saying like you are Matthew, cause I know you like the witch and stuff like that, but like say people who are more into movies like insidious and stuff, I totally see them putting on Sinister and being like, oh, wow, there's more, like, character here. There's more, like, interesting stuff they're playing with. Personally, I wish they would have followed up more on it in the second half when I feel like they kind of throw it away for more supernatural stuff. But I I get the audience for the movie. I respect the movie. Um, um, I, I think I didn't like the movie this second time watching it. But I definitely respect it, and I don't think it's a bad movie. It's just not my thing. I think it jumps the shark for me halfway through. And that and that's fair. Um, I definitely I don't think this is a cop out answer. I think it is just the truth. I mean, it, it all depends on your your frame of reference when you're going into it. Um, but that is a really good point. I mean, one of the first things I wrote um, in my notes for the movie is that in the first scene after after the Super Eight film. Um, when Ethan Hawke is helping, you know, his daughter unpack in her room. I mean, one of the first things I wrote is the writing in that scene is really, really good. I think like you get a lot of information about both characters. I mean, sadly, that's probably the last bit of information you get about the daughter for the whole movie, but um, you get a lot of information about both of those characters in that one scene. And I think it worked really well. And one of the first things I wrote was, you know, it, it, it is kind of what you just said is more, more character information and, and background than you would typically get in a in a cliche horror movie. 
Um, so I, I definitely like I definitely agree with that. Um, if you're going into it purely for an entertainment, like I just want to yell with my friends or significant other and just be scared. Um, yeah, you're getting what you pay for, I think. Um, but yeah, if you go into it expecting something that, and I, and I don't mean to get off on a tangent, but I think that's kind of my like attitude towards most movies is like, I I kind of frame my perspective going into it based on what I know about it going in. Like for a horror movie, I mean, my baseline is I just want it to be creepy and scary. And if it turns out being thought provoking and really good, then that's great. But, um, I think like I can go into any kind of horror movie and just just take what it gives me for it, for lack of a better saying. Um, so yeah, it really all just it really all just depends on where where you're entering into this movie. Um, well, because like you said, if if you're just expecting a, a cheap scare movie, you're probably going to get a little more than you bargained for. And if you're expecting a witch slash hereditary level you know, psychological, um, thought-provoking movie, you're probably going to be, you know, a little disappointed. Well, I just want to say that, like, taking those things, what you guys just said, I do agree with that. And the things that you said are good about this movie, to me, would, you know, put Sinister slightly above the average horror movie in my book, except for the fact that I just, there's certain, like, we've talked about the ghost scene in the hallway, but there's, other, but there's other scenes in the movie that really have a similar effect for me. Like to me, the, uh, once again, I forgot his, the demon's name. I'm calling him Mr. Boogie. Oh. Again. <laughs> Mr. Boogie. Like just every time he pops up on screen, I'm just thinking like, why is the undertaker in this movie? No, I'll, I'll agree with that. Like no, when I say like none of the good for me. Well, I think, I think that the, the, there's only, it happens twice. And I think that the first one works somewhat when, when it's the attic scene, when he's actually climbing up into the attic, I think that one, the one at the very end does not work like that. uh, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cringeworthy. Yeah. And it's like, the the first one I think works because up to that point, you, you have not seen Bagul like in in the physical world with Ethan Hawke or Ellison. So at, at that, on that level, it works because it's like, Oh, he's actually there. Like, okay, that, that kind of was scary. Uh, but yeah, I do agree. The one at the end, even when like I got the, like not to spoil, like when I got done watching the movie, like I still like enjoyed it to a decent degree. Like I, I definitely did like it. But when I was waiting on that last, like, you know, jump scare to happen. I, I really was just kind of like, you know, tapping my virtual like stopwatch. I was just like, okay, like let's, let's pick it up. Like, I know it's going to happen. Well, let's just get it over with. Like, and it definitely is very, very cheesy. Um, and I don't, I don't know why, I don't know why they thought that that was necessary. I thought the idea of like, he's climbs up to the attic and how you see Bagul move out of the, Project, like of the frame of the projector and that's when his face i thought that was interesting Only, uh, my issue with that though is i just knew that was coming and i think those kids look goofy i think the yeah. makeup of those kids they do not look like dead kids i think that also took me out of it too um i do want to say though shout out to the deputy in the movie because i was like where have i seen that guy before oh, yeah. It's it's eddie. Eddie. yeah eddie eddie Casper. 
Yeah, I was thinking about Eddie the he's whole time. The seen he was in. I think, and I think that um, I thought he was good. I thought he was a good supporting. He was. Comedian. He was really good, and they saw they thought the same thing because I mean, in in Sinister Two, I mean, he he's the main character in Sinister Two. Um, so yeah, they definitely he's were in Sinister Two. Is that same. what you said? Yeah, he's the main he's the main character in Sinister hmm. Two. Um, but have I, you seen that thing, movie? I have seen it. Yes, I saw it in theaters. Um, it I've not is, seen it. I heard it was bad. It is, it is considerably worse, but it's not. It's not one of those movies you watch and you're just like, oh my gosh, like, you know. I, I don't know how to frame it. Like, it's not. It's not an insult to cinema or anything. It's just. It's just considerably worse, and I don't think we're going to be covering it anytime soon. So I will say, uh, one of the one of the reasons I don't like that movie (spoiler for Sinister 2, I guess, if you were about to watch, but if you were about to pause the podcast and go watch it, but um, one of the things that doesn't work in that movie, and it's easily the most annoying, is whereas in Sinister One, obviously we're watching it from the point of view of Ellison, but in Sinister Two, you're watching it from the point of view of the kids. And which that might be compelling, but the biggest problem is that the ghost children talk the entire movie. Like they, they are their own characters and like they, I mean, they end up being pretty creepy, but at the same time, like it just kind of takes away from the mystique of it because the, the kids in the movie know that they're ghost kids. I don't know. We don't need to get into it, but it's definitely very, very, campy and it's not it's not good but i have some questions about the logistics of that like how does that work when you you know you're having your soul eaten that you can i mean you know horror movie reasons on the topic of logistics that is one thing that did kind of take me out of sinister is uh one thing i thought of and you kind of alluded to it i thought you were going to actually say exactly what i'm about to say cruz but you talked about the the super eight kind of losing its mystique when you realize that it's the kids doing it and like all that. But I was thinking more along the lines of if Bagul is this like ancient, you know, demon, like spirit, you know, what, what was happening before super eight film was invented? Like what, how did he, how did he, you know, kind of, I guess they allude at the end that he lives in photographs or paintings or whatever. But I, I was just thinking, you know, it's kind of random that he starts, you know, this whole experience when Super 8 well, is available. You know, he does have a love for the director's cut. We did see that. Yeah. And he respects the director's vision. Snotter cut. Yeah. yeah. He is a fan of the Snotter cut. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can confirm. Um, but yeah, one last thing I did want to say. Um, I will say that the ending, like the last 10 to 15 minutes, the pacing is easily the worst part. It's very bad. Um but I will say I did sort of enjoy up until the very bad uh, jump scare. Excuse me. I will say that I kind of liked how how long the like the the point of view kind of rested on the kids and Bagul himself. Like whereas some horror movies or most horror movies kind of end on like a you know very punchy like oh this character is really alive or the the bad guy's still alive or the dead you know, one of the characters is evil. Like I just kind of liked how like calm and somber the, like the, the tone was in the last like two to three minutes where you're just watching, you know, all the events unfold and watching the kids kind of like go into the film or whatever. I don't know. I I just kind of liked how, how long it gave us to like process and sit with, 
you know, what's happening. Cause I feel like in most horror movies, you kind of don't get the, you don't get that much perspective from the villain for that long. And I just, I don't know. I thought that was an interesting choice up until the jump scare. I see what you're saying there. And you know, that was definitely kind of unique. I mean, it was definitely a little bit darker than your average horror movie. I mean, usually there's going to be some kind of bright side. I mean, you get the most typical horror movies. You, they, def, they kind of defeat the, the monster at the end, but he's not really dead, but you get this, it kind of ends on a happy note. So I, I do kind of respect that they went kind of all in on that ending, but yeah, you know, just certain ways they executed it. That I'm not a I fan just, of. Like I said, I just wish we had more. I wish we, I didn't feel as defeated. What, like, like I said, I mean, to bring up Game of Thrones, like, I mean, you have great characters in Game of Thrones that can die or have bad things happen to them, but you don't feel, you don't really feel cheated. I mean, not in every scene, but, you know, you appreciate almost in a cathartic type way what happened because it kind of makes you love the character more. But in this case, I didn't feel that way. I just kind of felt cheated like, oh, I watched Ethan Hawke go on this journey of self, you know, self-realization and kind of conflict. But then I, I don't know how they would have done it. I'm not suggesting that I knew of a better way to do it. I just think that you could still have your protagonist, you know, die or be punished, but also do it in a way that doesn't lose its emotional impact. Um, and I think I think that's kind of my biggest problem with it. I think I think they should have just fleshed it out more because that was my issue is that I feel like they start really kind of once the supernatural comes in they stop really trying to flesh out his character arc that much they just kind of put it on pause until the end because um you definitely have movies where like the protagonist like hereditary like the protagonist in hereditary has a he dies at the end spoiler alert for hereditary like it hits like emotionally like that. It really just kind of everything comes into full circle. Lighthouse. I won't spoil the lighthouse because it's so new. But like, yeah, Matthew doesn't play the lighthouse. So. That character doesn't necessarily have the best ending. But it just feels like so. It just complements like the themes and his arc and what they were trying to say with that movie so well. I think if they just would have fleshed it out more, his, his death could have been a lot more. Uh, uh, substantive, I guess. Um, but I don't really have that much more. Um, are you guys? Uh, are you guys ready to slap a rating on this thing? I think we've kind of we've said our piece. I think we're ready to do that. If you are, I'm ready. If you guys, yeah, are. I'm ready. I can go ahead and lead off to. Okay, you guys want to? Uh, so I'm not gonna go back through why I didn't. Uh, really like this movie. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a score, and I'm giving it a two and a half. Um, like it's not it's not terrible, and like Cruz said earlier, that kind of reflects my opinion towards all horror movies. I'm just not a big fan of the genre, so it you know this is not a movie that I'm going to go back and watch again. Um, it has its, it has some good parts to it, uh, and if I definitely recommend it if you're just wanting to turn on something spooky for two hours and just kind of sit there and watch it, then, you know, by all means, this is a good choice. But, you know, if if you're looking for something a little bit more, I would look in a different direction. So 
yeah, my final score for it is a two and a half out of five, which is the by far the lowest I've given anything so far. Um, but you know, like I said, I don't I don't hate this movie. It's just not my thing. Um, it's got its redeemable parts. So, uh, if you're on the fence about watching it, do not let my opinion on it, you know, influence whether you go watch it or not. You'll watch it for yourself, and you know, form your own opinions. But I'm just saying that it's not my thing. So. It gets a two and a half for me. Um, yeah, I will go ahead and go. Um, kind of what Jake said. I mean, we've definitely kind of. I, I think I definitely liked it the best out of the three of us. But it really all comes down to perspective. Um, it, like Jake said, if you want just a, you know, quick, quick and uh, efficient, just jump scare, creepy movie, it's definitely really solid. Um, don't and don't uh, if you don't want to expect too much i mean that's fine too uh, I, I definitely think it's solid it's definitely a step up from the average you know horror movie that you'll see come out every year i think we kind of agreed on that um but yeah I, i'm gonna still even though i did like it the best i'm still only going to give it a three out of five uh, i think this um rewatch really just it solidified the thing new things that i liked about it with Ethan Hawke's character, but it definitely did leave me, um, you know, wanting more out of what I got. Um, but the three is definitely, uh, definitely still for how creepy it is at times, how scary it can be. And, um, I really do think that they, they had, um, I think they created a very compelling horror character. I mean, I think Bagul is very creepy and I definitely think that, with a better follow-up sequel, I mean, he could have kind of maybe slid into like the lower tier of like prominent, you know, horror icons. Um, but uh, I definitely think his aesthetic and just demeanor in this movie is a uh, really creepy. And yeah, so three out of five. Uh, Cruz, it is up to you. Um. Yeah. Um. In unfortunately, it didn't age very well for me since my last time watching it years ago. I thought the first half was interesting. I didn't love the first half, but I, I did dig it. Uh, I was into it. Then, yeah, for me, 50-minute mark, come supernatural, just didn't work for me. And I just walked away not liking it and not really wanting to watch it. Once again, though, if uh, I think it all depends on taste. If people are, if you're more, if you just want to sit back and watch something that's spooky and, and creeps you out, and you might like this movie, and it also does do a little bit more than most of those type of movies do, so you do get a little bit more out of it. If you are going in kind of wanting like a lighthouse, you know, you will be disappointed. But um, not a bad movie, but it's just not, it wasn't my thing, so I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5. But I am very glad that we watched this, because even though I'm giving this a 2 out of 5, because of us watching this, I did get to revisit the five out of five masterpiece, The Shining. So win-win, honestly. One more time, you had to go back to the well one more time. As long as Jake is on this podcast, I will always bring it up when I have the opportunity. Okay. Yeah, we didn't. I I kind of didn't get into uh, those aspects as much as I thought I would. Uh, I did definitely talk about it, but you know, another another uh, another Shining discussion. Uh, would fit in it does fit into the theme of the shiny where you know it uh you have this male character 
and then this very poorly written and underdeveloped female character. Oh um, yes. Uh Stanley Kubrick definitely definitely God Erickson was taking notes. He, <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean he was taking notes. I'm sorry you uh, cut out, Jake. I couldn't hear over the <laughs> over the, the disrespect. I totally you know what? I don't wanna I don't wanna a review of the shining yet, but I do disagree with you. I mean, I think it's only a matter of time before we all uh, cover this movie. Um, I definitely think uh, that time is that time is on the schedule somewhere. I would have to think, but uh, well, guys, uh, I will say it's my turn to pick this week. And uh, spoiler alert: that is not my choice. <laughs> so I'm not going to reveal it yet unless you guys are ready. But well, I was going to say I think that now we've given our scores. Um, I think we are ready uh, because that is a. Uh, that's pretty much all we got left. So uh, go ahead and hit us with your suggestion for this week. So uh, I went back and forth on several different things. I, I really wanted to pick a movie that you guys haven't seen, um, but I did not end up doing that because I just the movie that I did choose. I really want to watch it again, and I already know pretty much how you guys feel about it. But I don't think it's going to impact our how we talk about the movie definitely won't impact our ability to talk about the movie because I have a ton of thoughts about it. Um, I'm not going to spoil any of those right now, but uh, to quit rambling, I'll just go ahead and give you my choice. And my choice is whiplash by Damien Chazelle. Um, you know, I, there's a ton of things we're gonna be able to talk about. I know both you guys enjoy this movie. Um, I don't know anybody that doesn't, um, but I'm gonna leave anything that we can, we might discuss next week. I'm not gonna bring that up now. But I'm definitely just super excited to watch this movie again. It is, it's one of my favorite movies from one of my favorite directors. So um, I, I hope you guys are as excited as I am to watch it again. Can't talk about it because I'll be ready to just go ahead and throw a grade on it right now because it's it's just I love it so much. I feel like uh, we'll so, probably yeah, agree I'm... on it again but yeah but that's fine it's okay it's 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 that good that's it's okay yeah no i'm I'm ready to talk about that movie yeah it's gonna be a great week for sure um i mean i've only seen it once and it's been like over a year since i've seen it so it's i'm due i'm due for the rewatch so Cruz will have to wait at least one more week before he uh, inevitably uh, throws The Shining on us. Yeah, I need to pick it soon while it's not streaming, so Jake has to pay money to watch it. <laughs> Can I invoke a No, a no Shining uh, mention during next week's podcast? I'm, not gonna, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna hold it back for a little bit. Yeah. I'm gonna go right away. Oh, yeah. you gonna, I don't see how you're gonna make the correlation between Whiplash and The Shining, but I, I am actually interested to see how you do it. I mean, well, since they're both fantastic movies and all, maybe that'll just be our new one of the one of the memes of the podcast. It's just every week, every movie, no matter what, we have to thematically have a discussion about The Shining and how bad. You it might is. as well just put in every title now the movie review plus The Shining plus plus The, the Shining. Shining flash plus The Shining. Yeah. Oh, that is great. Well, I, for one, cannot wait. I think we are all uh, going to be pretty stoked to uh, revisit Whiplash. Um, but that is about it for this week. Uh, do you guys have anything else before we uh, head out? 
Uh, I don't think so. I think I think we pretty much hit everything this week. Uh, for sure. Well, guys, um, you know, thanks again as always for giving us a listen. You know, we really um, had fun with this one. Um, and uh, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can find us at Shift Talking on Twitter, Shift Talk on Facebook, Podbean for third party third party podcast users, and Apple Podcasts, of course. Uh, but without uh, anything else, uh, I think we're ready to wrap this one up. So again, we appreciate all the support, and we will see you next time.